Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. I just think that every week. Well, it's good to see you guys. We are in week three of our series called Decision 2016, where we're looking at these decisions that we believe are super duper important. That's the fancy theological word for that. But we know that studies show that you make about 35,000 decisions a day on stuff that really doesn't have any kind of consequences. You know, what to have for lunch, that kind of stuff, unless it gives you indigestion, which is a consequence. But usually the decisions you make aren't that big of a deal. And then we make some bigger decisions like who to marry and where to go to school and what house to buy and what job and all that kind of stuff. But there's even bigger decisions. And we're looking at them in this six-week series called Decision 2016. We believe that there are these decisions that will change your life. We talked in the first week about the decision to follow Jesus, to recognize him and be like, yep, that's Jesus. I want to follow him. Last week, we talked about a decision for a new life because if you're going to follow Jesus, it's a good idea to, to leave your old life behind and allow Jesus to give you this new life and follow after him. And today, we're going to talk about this topic which if you have felt your toes stepped on in the first two weeks, just go ahead and just roll your whole foot up because this one's hard. This one, this one got me as I was preparing it all week because we're talking about the decision to mature. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, here's the thing I want to start by. I love to ask questions. That's kind of how my mind works. It gets me thinking. So I want to start with a question this morning. Don't raise your hand. Certainly don't call out any names. But do you know someone who has a life just full of regret? I mean, you know someone who has just made decision after decision after decision, and their life is just full of regret. Um, it just, do you, you know anyone like that? There's a woman that we're going to uh, talk about in just a minute in a, in a passage, and she was basically a repeat offender in this regard. She had just made just horrible decision after horrible decision, and she just, she just continued to make them, and um, she was had just jumped all over the place in relationships. She had been married five times, was working on number six. Um, She understood regret. Here's another question, make it a little more personal. Um, Have you ever had such a bad day or maybe a bad week where you just didn't want to see anybody? Like you really just didn't want anyone to lay eyes on you. You didn't want to even have to pretend to be nice. You just were having one of those days, right? Have you ever had those kind of moments? And then to top it off, you're having one of those kind of days and you open the refrigerator and you're like, oh, I got to go to the store, you know? And so your prayer life suddenly increases like 40 fold because you get in your car and you're in, you know, like the Winn-Dixie parking lot. And you're like, dear Lord Jesus, please don't let me see anybody I know in this store. Please don't let the cashier talk to me. I just want to swipe my card and keep trucking. I'm just going to get in, get the milk and get out. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. And that's like we, you've ever had those kind of moments where you just didn't, it was just not a good day. Here's another question. Have you ever had people talk about you? Like, say stuff about you. Like, maybe something went on. Maybe something went down. Something went on. But, but maybe people don't have all the facts. But you know without a shadow of a doubt that people were talking about you. They were gossiping about you. They were saying stuff about you. And the last thing you want to do is to see people because you're thinking, everyone's talking about me. You ever felt that way? This woman that we're going to look at today in, in John uh, chapter 4 
she understands this. She understands this completely. She, she understands, um, she, she's a woman who's just had a life filled with regret. She understands what it's like to um, have people, she's had a life full of bad decisions. She's, people are saying all kinds of mess about her. And here's the deal, but she's got to go get water. She's got to. There's no more water. And she can't turn on the spigot in her kitchen, and she can't go to the fridge and, and put a glass in the nice filtered water. She doesn't have that. The only place to get water, and she needs water, is at the town well, middle of town. The only place to go is there. That's the last place she, would, she wants to be. So this woman who's filled with regret, filled with all this stuff, knowing people are talking about her, she's got to go and get water. And in the middle of this... Um, regretful existence that she's got going on, she has an encounter with Jesus and a conversation about water that leads to her life changing. And so I want us to start together this morning in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. She and Jesus are talking. They, they've uh, started, he came up to her, he asked her for some water. She's like, hey, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be talking to me. Um, you know, they, they kind of have this exchange going and, and they're talking and somehow, I love this. I love, how, I love how Jesus does this. He goes from talking about water to talking about spiritual things. I love that. That's just, and, and it's really like, he, it's kind of like him showing us, you know, for those of us that think we have a hard time sharing our faith, he just starts out the conversation talking about water. But, so they're talking about water, and he says to her, anyone who drinks this water, can you just see him pointing at the well, pointing at the bucket, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Don't you just know that this woman, life full of regrets, making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, people talking all about her, don't you know that this woman would love a big old cup of fresh, bubbling water of eternal life? And so that's what she says in verse 15. Please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. See, she's still thinking about water. She's not quite grasping what Jesus is doing because he's already changed the conversation. She thought it was about water, but he's talking about something else. He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about relationship with her. He's talking about hope. He's talking about all this. And, and she's thinking, well, I just don't want to have to come and get water anymore because that way no one will see me. She's not quite getting it. She's thinking right now, right? She's thinking temporary, She's thinking, oh, this will be great if I never have to walk to the middle of town and drop a bucket down a well and get it down there and scoop it up and pull it back and then take water back and maybe have to do this a couple of times a day. I don't know. I mean, wouldn't we all love that convenience? See, this, she's thinking small. She's thinking immaturely. See, sometimes when God says things to us, sometimes when Jesus wants to tell us a truth, he might start by talking about water, but he often takes it to another place. And she's still trying to focus on the water, and she's thinking immaturely. On down in verse uh, 23, Jesus is talking. See, she's, talking, she's thinking right now, and Jesus is talking big picture, and he says this to her. And this is when he starts to say, no, there's more. There's more. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers. See, he was talking about water. Now he's talking about worshipers. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. We just welcomed the Holy Spirit of God in by our singing a moment ago. We all sang that together. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. See, it started about water. And he ends it talking about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. He went from talking about something basic and, and, and kind of narrow and small and temporary to something eternal and big. From immature to mature. From, a, oh, you can understand water. Let's talk about water. But now let me take you on. Now I'm going to talk about worship and that you should worship. True worshipers of God will worship in spirit and truth. He, he used this, I love it how Jesus takes this, this mistake-filled woman, this regret-filled woman who had made a lot of bad decisions to talk about spiritual maturity, to talk about spiritual growth, to talk about what it looks like to worship God. Kids, let me see you. Where are some kids in here? Have you ever made a bad decision? Go ahead, raise your hand if you have. Thank you, adults, for also participating with that. Man. All right, now, have you ever made a bad decision and it had some not-so-pleasant consequences? Anybody else besides me? No? Okay. Have you ever made a good decision and it had some good consequences? Oh, aren't those great? Man, I love that. What we're talking about today is that we have a decision to make. We can make a decision to follow God. We can make a decision to say, that's Jesus. That's the son of the world. He's going to take away the sins of the world. I want to follow him. And then we can say, you know what? As I'm following him, you know what I think I've decided is this old life I was living was not that great. I, I, I haven't, I've been kind of doing things and saying things and thinking things that don't honor God. And I want to have a new life. So you make a decision to follow God. Then you make a decision for a new life in God. And at some point along the way, there's more. And what Jesus is talking to this woman at the well about is, you need to grow up. We need to grow up. We need to mature in our faith. And so what I want to do for the next few moments with you guys this morning is kind of continue what I love to do, and that's ask questions, because that's how I, how I kind of process it all. So I want to offer a couple of questions to you. Um, Four signs of, of spiritual maturity. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And um, when I ask you these questions, I'm going to go ahead and give you the key to this. Um, these four signs of spiritual maturity. If you can answer yes, no, option A, and no, then you are spiritually mature. Okay, now, you can't answer that now. You actually have to hear the questions and then say those answers. But this will be a good gauge to see where we are. Yes, no, option A, and no will be... The answers, if we're spiritually mature. Here's the first question. Do you have an appetite for solid food? Some of you are thinking, yes, I do. I can't wait for the service to be over because my appetite for solid food is legitimate and I need to meet this need. And I'm not talking about that kind of food. I'm talking about the Word of God. Do you have an appetite for the Word of God? Do you hunger after understanding, and not just knowledge, but an understanding of, of what God wants for us? Do you have an appetite for this kind of spiritual food? Babies drink milk. We know that. Babies drink milk. They, they, they nurse or they drink formula, but they drink liquid. It's a, it's a basic thing, right? I don't know if you've ever done this, parents of, of little, little babies. Maybe it was your first time around with a kid, and you're going, I've given Junior 23 bottles today, and I don't understand why he's still hungry. Well, and then you put that first spoonful of, of food in his mouth, and he's happy. And you're like, oh, I should have done this like three months ago. That would have been a great idea. 
Babies go from drinking milk to they want, they want some solid food. It's just the natural process. It's the natural growth. Um, none of us in here, I don't think, there's a couple maybe, I heard one or two, are depending completely on milk or formula. Now, so you see there's, this, there's a time and a place for that to happen. Now, if a 21-year-old, able-bodied young man still wants his mama to mash up some potatoes and spoon feed him, that is creepy, and it is dysfunctional, and it's incredibly immature. See, we, we don't expect that of, of people that can, as you grow, you don't expect that. You don't expect that for someone to come and, and feed you that way. Do you have an appetite for solid food? So here's an idea, a thought. Spiritually mature people can't get enough of, of God. They can't get enough of, of solid food, of, of his word. Hebrews 5.14 says it right there. Solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for those who are mature. It's not just about the milk. You know, and some people might think, oh, I love having, having these like deep theological questions. It's really awesome. I love talking about doctrine and, and reading about history and the church fathers and, and, you know, all that stuff. But here's something to think about. <clears throat> what part of the Bible are you studying right now? Because that is solid food. It's great to have conversation and it's great to read someone else's book it's great to read about someone else's thoughts about God. But what part of the Bible are you reading right now? Because that's solid food. What, are you reading the Bible at all right now? Because that is solid food. Have you read the Bible recently? Because that is solid food. Right now is kind of the equivalent of me putting something on a spoon and handing it to you. If this is all we depend on, oh my goodness, we're missing out. Solid food is for the mature. Spiritually mature people have an appetite for solid food, for the Word of God. So if you answer yes to that, then yay. And if not, and you're going, oh, I could do this better, then listen, we love the grace of God, so receive it. Here's the second one. This one hurt me badly. I was offended by it honestly. And here's the question. Are you easily offended? I was offended by my own question. Are you easily offended? And all right, not talking about Christianity here, not talking about Christianity, just people in general. Mature people, mature people rarely don't very often get offended by what other people do and say. Mature people don't because they see a bigger picture. They might be like, Wow, you've had a really bad day, or wow, you've had a really bad decade. You know, and something's going, you, something's not right, something didn't work. And a mature person will be able to kind of step back and see a bigger picture. An immature person might not. They might respond about the temporary in the moment, but a mature person sees a bigger picture. Now, let's talk about Christians for a minute. <clears throat> a mature Christian seldom gets offended. Because they see the big picture. So when somebody says something or does something and, and it bothers you, it sticks with you, it, it, it ticks you off. Mature Christians don't usually get offended by that because they see a bigger picture. They understand that there's more going on. 
Um, they understand that there's this thing called sin that happens. They understand that, that people are not perfect. They understand this. And so a mature Christian doesn't often get offended by what other people do and say. People were um, <clears throat> upset with Jesus all the time. I mean, basically from the moment his ministry started until he took his last breath on the cross and when he reappeared again, people were, they didn't like him. And they, they said things to him. They, they called him names from, I don't know if this is a derogatory term, but they tried to use it against him. They called him like a small town country boy from Nazareth. Like that was a major cut. They went from that all the way to, oh, he's a demon. I mean, these were the things that people were saying about Jesus. They were calling him all sorts of names, trying to say he was getting his power from not God, but down here, demons, from Satan. They were trying to say all sorts of stuff, and he never got offended. And you know why he never got offended? Because he saw the bigger picture. He understood that there was this life, and there were these people, and they're not perfect, and, 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 and they, they sin, and they make really bad choices and decisions, and he didn't get offended by them. There was an episode that happened, an episode, a, a time, a moment that happened where Jesus goes through this um, like makeshift flea market that people had built up outside the temple where they came to worship. And he sees this and he's like, this is a place of worship, not commerce. And he goes and he starts flipping tables. He didn't do that because he was offended by them. He did it because he saw the bigger picture and he knew that that was a place of worship and not commerce. But you know who got offended? You know who got offended that Jesus flipped their tables because they were trying to make a buck off of worshipers. The people that got offended were the business people and the religious leaders. See, they were not spiritually mature. They were not spiritually mature. We talked last week about the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And um, <clears throat> Martha got really offended because Mary, instead of playing hostess, wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. I mean, Mary had the bigger picture. Martha was thinking right then, right there, we got to take care of people. We got to help the people that are here at our house. We got to make sure the place doesn't become a wreck. We got to make sure there's toilet paper in the bathroom. This is the stuff that Martha's thinking about. And she's offended that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And here's Mary. She's thinking to herself, she's thinking big picture. She's thinking, I can wipe down the counters anytime, but Jesus is in my house. See, she had the bigger picture. See, Mary had a mature view of this, and Martha was immature. Immature is small thinking. It's, it's temporary. It's right now. You know, we do this, um, parents, with our kids. We try to teach them about the right nows versus the bigger picture. There's times when, when it seems like the world's going to end because you didn't fast forward the commercial break on their TV show that was DVR'd, right? And it could be the end of the world before Sophia the first comes back on. But you teach your kids about, no, it's just, a, it's, just, it's just a little moment, just one little moment. There's a bigger picture here. See, we're immature as kids, but we should mature as we grow. When people are upset with you or disagree with you about Jesus things, are you easily offended that they're upset? Not long after... Bob came here to our church, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago. I can't remember now. Um, he and I were talking in his office one day, and, and we were talking about a situation, and, and um, he said something to me that uh, I, w I will not forget, and I hope to remember always. And he said this, Shannon, don't ever second-guess 
serving Jesus over what others expect of you. Don't ever second guess serving Jesus over what others expect of you. And I thought about that and I realized that there are going to be times when when people are offended that you might not be bending to their expected norms, to their expected reactions, to what they want from you, because you're choosing to be obedient to the Lord, there might be times you don't do what what other people think you should do, or how you should respond, or how you should act. And I want you to think about this. A spiritually mature person will not be easily offended, and they will not allow what someone else thinks or does or says to change that. That's a person who is spiritually mature. So if you can answer to the question, are you easily offended? If you can say no, then you're spiritually mature. And if you're thinking, "Uh, sometimes, then I'm having a meeting after church. I'm the president of the Sometimes Easily Offended Club, and you're welcome to attend. Um, There's no sign-up fees or anything. The only thing that matters is Jesus. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Here's a third sign of spiritual maturity. Hope you guys are hanging in here. I know this is stuff to think about. Here's the third one. Is your conscience formed by scripture or opinion? Now, some of you are sitting there right now going, I am a Christian and scripture is it. I stand upon the word of God. And that is amazing to be able to say that. And it's even more amazing if that were true. But I promise you, if we were to start to peel back some stuff right now, you would find that there's a lot of things that you think are scriptural, you think are biblical. And they're really, they're not the word of God, they're just the word of Steve. Some guy named Steve. I don't know who Steve is, I just picked a name Steve. And because it was some, Steve had an opinion. And we liked that opinion, so we jumped on to that opinion. But a mature person, a mature follower of Jesus will say, I can tell the difference between God's word and the opinions of man. And I might myself have my own opinions, but I understand God's word. And as a mature follower of Jesus, more and more and more, we want to align our opinions with Scripture and not try to make Scripture bend to somebody's opinion. A mature follower of Jesus will do this. Spiritually immature people will oftentimes be critical of others based solely on opinion. And yet they will try to say it's about scripture. A spiritually mature person will understand that we are saved by this wonderful word called grace. And that as a mature follower of Jesus, we need to be able to offer that grace to others. Um, Romans 14.1 says this. So think about this. You're a Christian, you're talking to another Christian, and yet you both have a disagreement. You don't agree. Romans 14.1 gives some really good advice. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. We need to be people who are spiritually mature enough where we can look at the Word of God, agree with it, and allow that to shape our opinions and not the other way around. A spiritually mature person will do this. It's a really simple truth to understand, but it's really hard to live that truth out. There's always going to be negative, critical, judgmental people who base that negativity and that criticism and that judgment on opinion alone. And a mature follower of Jesus will be able to, one, say, I have an appetite for solid food, so I know what God's word says. And I am not easily offended whenever people don't agree with me. 
so that I'm going to be okay then if, 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 uh, if someone else's opinion doesn't jive with my understanding of Scripture because I'm okay with that. I see a bigger picture. All right? So that's the, uh, I guess that would be the option A if you're tracking along with the correct answers. If sign of spiritual maturity is I want to allow my conscience to be um, developed by Scripture Option A instead of option B, opinion of others. Here's the fourth sign of spiritual maturity. See, we're getting there. We're moving along. Do you have a harshness towards outsiders? Do you have a harshness toward outsiders? And here's what I mean by that. And I am... I'm part of this. I do this. and what I Because what I mean by outsiders is not like... Um, Someone that's not in your social group. No, what I mean by outsiders is by the world. What we love to do in the church is we love to talk about how bad the world is. We love to say, oh, the world. Oh, that world. Oh, we need to be, oh, that world. It's bad, bad, bad. The world is bad. I can't wait for that movie to come out. And I, have you tried that new restaurant? And I was always oh, going to get that new book. And did you listen to that podcast? But oh, the world. The world is so bad. We need to be separate from the world. But we live in the world. You and I live in the world. It would be really uncomfortable if we lived in here. We, don't, we, we, we live in the world. And what I've seen, and I'm, I'm part of this too, is often we want to talk about the sins of the world. Oh, the sins of the world. And never stop and just kind of turn that comment back to us. And talk about our own sin. Our own sin. Our own, our own stuff that maybe we haven't allowed God to work on. Oh, but the sins of the world. We need to pray for the world. We need to pray for that country. Oh, we need to pray for that other state. We need to pray for that other city. Oh, the world. And we fail to recognize ourselves. And we want to talk about the sins of the world, but we never want to address our own sin. And a spiritually mature person, again, will have a bigger picture and understand their role to play in all of this. That, that we need to be a person who has that appetite for a solid word. We understand scripture. We're not going to allow the opinions of other people to sway us one way or the other. And we're not going to look out on the world and neglect to look upon ourselves. Oh, the world. I mean, God understood this. I mean, barely even get into the story in Genesis chapter 6. This is what we read about the world. Because it isn't, it isn't awesome. I mean, you pick any headline today and, and it's not good news. And this is what we find in Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's not good. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and, he, and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. The world broke God's heart. Okay, so you're going, well, I, that's kind of what I say when I say the world's really bad, Shannon. Well, here's the difference. Sometimes we just want to be like, oh, the world is bad and fail to look at ourselves. But here was God's response to, to all that was evil and, and bad that, that had happened. He started it all again. And it started with an ark. And it ended with a rainbow. Excuse me. In between was a rainbow. This promise from God. And ultimately, it was found in Jesus Christ. His answer to the world was Jesus. 
His answer to a world that was broken was Jesus. We, we know this very, most very famous passage of Scripture, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world. And so he sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so instead of going, yeah, the world is so bad, 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 God came to make a way for, for the world to be, to be made new and rectified with him. We first need to examine ourselves. I mean, imagine if we, as individuals, we, as a church, imagine if we talked about gossip the way we talked about sexual sin. Imagine if we spend as much time going, gossip is bad, 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 like we do talking about the other. Imagine, imagine if as individuals or as the church, we talked about racism as, like we talk about addiction. Imagine if we were to say, oh yeah, that addiction, that's bad, bad. You need to stop that. You need to quit that. Imagine if we spend as much time, as much energy, and as much agreement on that. Imagine if we spent that on racism like we do on addiction. Oh, the world, the world's so bad. People, apart from God, you and I are bad. And the way that God fixed this, rectified this, made it better was to send Jesus. And this is how all I'll say on this, this one right here is this. If God so loved the world, if God so loved the world, then who decided that we shouldn't? See, the answer to this is that spiritually mature people see the opportunities to share Jesus in a world that doesn't have him yet. And I like that word. That's an important word there, yet. See, there's a hope. We have a hope that people will believe. We have a hope that people will come into understanding. A spiritually mature person will say, you know what? Yeah, the, the, the world isn't that great, but God has made a way. God has made a way, and Jesus is the answer. And so instead of just passing judgment on the world, I'm going to say Jesus is the answer. I'm going to live my life because Jesus is the answer, and I'm going to share that truth with people that don't know it yet. That's what a spiritually mature person will do in regard to this question about having harshness towards those who are outside of our walls. So how did you do with those four questions? Were you able to do like the, the yes, no, option A, and no? I, do you have some work to do? I do. I certainly do. One of my very good friends, I've mentioned her to you many times. She's uh, my friend Carrie. She led me to Christ 22 years ago. Um, her second son, Thomas, some of you know him, Thomas Eager. He's like my... He and his brothers and sisters are like my other children. I've known them since they were infants. I've been in their life. And, and um, when Thomas was about two and a half, uh, he has an older brother, John. And when Thomas was two and a half and, and John was four, um, their third brother, little Lukey, came home from the hospital. Newborn little Lukey. And uh, I shot this video of them uh, in there in the new little nursery. And, you know, think Thomas thinking, you know, he's got his older brother, John. And they'd been talking for many months about having old Lukey coming along. I'm sure he was super excited to have a little brother to teach him all the stuff that John had been teaching him as an older brother, right? 
And I don't think a newborn baby who could do basically jack nothing um, was what Thomas was expecting when they talked about bringing Luke home from the hospital. He couldn't run. He couldn't play. He couldn't do any of that stuff. He was just a baby drinking milk. And I have this video of of, um, Carrie sitting in a rocking chair holding baby Luke and Thomas, two and a half Thomas, year old Thomas, leaning over the rocking chair looking at Luke and just looking at him intently. And then you see his, his brow furrow, and he looks up, and in his cute little two-and-a-half-year-old voice, he says this, does he grow? <laughs> like, is this it? If this is it, y'all got a bad deal. Listen, as adults, we expect children to grow, right? Children expect children to grow. And I say to you this morning, as we're talking about these decisions for, uh, to making these decisions that will change your life, is that we are expected to grow. We are expected to mature as followers of Jesus. It's not just enough to be like, yes, Jesus, and then remain in our old life. No, we've got to have a new life. We need to let God change our life. And then we need to be people who say, and you know what? I'm not going to stay where I always was. I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. I'm going to allow God to to reshape those areas of my life where I have not given them over to him. If there's parts of my life where actually I've been a stumbling block to people instead of a clear path to Jesus, I want God to show me that and I want him to fix it. As mature followers of Jesus, we need to say, you know what? I'm expected to grow and be okay with that, even if it hurts a little bit when you talk about it in church. We are expected to mature. And that decision rests with each and every one of us in here today. It's not a decision for someone else to make. You have to make the decision to mature. Will you pray with me? Father, I I think about, I have that image of, of Thomas looking down on Luke. And I just think about, and I know it's, probably not theologically sound and whatnot, but I just kind of picture you looking down on, on me. And, and you're not asking the question of, can I grow? You're asking me the question of, will I grow? Because it's all in there. It's all ready. You've, you've set it all in motion. You, 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 t- you looked down on the evil word, you said, world and you said, Mm-mm, this isn't working. And you made a new way. And you did it through Jesus. And so it's not can I, it's will I. Will I choose? Will I make the decision to mature in my faith? Or will I stay where I've been? I thank you so much, God, for that grace that you pour out on us. That is, when we hear something difficult, when we hear something challenging, when we hear something that doesn't sit very well with us because we know it's truth and it kind of hurts, I thank you, God, that your grace says to us, it's okay. Okay, it might hurt for a moment, but I promise you it's going to be better because I'm teaching you something new. I'm, I'm showing light on something that you haven't seen before. And I want you, my child, to grow I want you to mature. I have work for you to do. There's a purpose for you. That you're not here just to to be on for the ride, but, but there's a reason you're here. I want you to be a light in dark places. 
I want you to be a person of hope when, when other people are hopeless. I want you to be someone who, who stands up for me when no one else will. I want you to be someone who knows my word so much so that when someone tries to offer up an opinion and say it's the word of God, that you can say, no, I don't think so. Will we grow? Lord, I thank you that you never put a challenge in front of us that you, that you don't make a way, that you don't offer a solution, that you, you never leave us on our own. So I pray this morning for those particularly who are feeling that right now that are saying, oh man, I really, I want to mature. I, I recognize I've been immature in my faith. I've, I've kind of stayed where I've been and, or I maybe even I've regressed and I want to mature. And God, I pray for those people right now that they would have an appetite for your word like they never have before. That they would have a, a desire to read your word like they never have before, even if it doesn't make sense. Thank you for your Holy Spirit to, to show us answers and to make things clear. God, I pray that they would have that appetite, Lord. I pray that they would be able to, to, to not allow the noise around, the opinions of others to, to keep them from pursuing that, that growth in you. Will we grow? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldasa.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.